0: Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. This is the gigantic squabbles, arguments, and surrendering edition. I'm your host, Emma Graney, and with me today I have my fellow legislative reporter, Stuart Thompson. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm really good. How
0: come you don't have a coffee?
1: I had an early coffee today. Oh. And then I'll have a mid-morning one later.
0: You drink a lot of
2: coffee. Two. Paul <laughs> I don't drink coffee at all, and I'm here to give you my full and undivided decaffeinated attention. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Paula. Thank God you don't drink coffee. I can't even imagine <laughs> no, that, that, what that, Paula that, Simons that, on that, caffeine would be that's like. That's the
2: thing. I do not need uppers. I came upped. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Sarah O'Donnell. Hi. Good morning. It's a pleasure to see you again. We haven't had you on in a while. I know. I'm happy to be asked back. No. And now that she's the boss of all of us, we
2: have to be very good, very no, respectful of no. her presence here. of course not.
0: <laughs> So, some of you keen-eared listeners may have noticed that the letters of this podcast edition spell out GSAs. Huh? Oh. <laughs> uh? Yeah. See what I did there? So, yeah. we're going to talk about that. Cunning, I know. (laughs) Unexpected. Um, We're going to actually talk about what the newly minted PC leader, Jason Kenney, had to say about those earlier this week and the political fallout from that. We're also going to have a chat about the cross-border trade tiff between Rachel Notley and Brad Wall, and finally take a very brief glimpse at Alberta's liberal leadership race. Bless its soul. Let's start off with Jason Kenney and GSAs, because this happened first in the week, so hey, let's go with timelines. Polly, you just emitted a large sigh. So, um, what happened there? Oh, Jason Kenny,
2: <laughs> and another large sigh. Jace, Jason Kenny went to meet with the editorial boards of the Calgary Herald and the Calgary Sun, our sister papers in Calgary, and asked by our colleague James Wood what he would do about GSAs and whether or not parent- gay straight alliances, by gay the way, gay straight guys. alliances, mm. which are not sadomasochistic sex clubs says Paula and are not gay (laughs) recruiting clubs says Paula but are student support groups where gay and straight students come together to discuss social issues Um, Jason Kenney dodged and weaved around the question but without coming straight out and saying, yes, I would mandate that all schools inform all parents when all children join GSAs. He refused to say that he wouldn't do that and in the end said in very roundabout ways that parental rights... Uh, trump children's rights and that parents should have the right to know what their kids are doing in school and we shouldn't work on the default assumption that all parents are
0: homophobes who are going to beat their children with sticks which i I should hope all parents are not homophobes who would beat their parents beat their children with sticks
2: he didn't say precisely that but Mm. but his 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 answer was why shouldn't we tell parents because most parents are are not abusive and the only times we shouldn't tell parents is when there's evidence of abuse which, of course, is not something you can easily tell. Well, and I would put it to you that if there is evidence of abuse, that instead of reporting the
0: children to the parents, perhaps we ought to be reporting the parents to the police department and child welfare. Now, this has caused a bit of a political kerfuffle as well. Obviously the NDP have jumped all over this saying, how dare you, we've got Bill 10. Now, for the record, Jason Kenney has said he's not going to repeal Bill 10, which kind of enshrines the right to GS yeah, schools. Yeah, b- b-
2: because, because Emma was off in Saskatchewan. Those, of the, and, and some of you were <laughs> I some sure of, was. And some of you listeners were too Young to remember this. Back in 2014, at the dawn of time, um, <laughs>
3: near the dawn of the press gallery.
2: <laughs> yes, um, Jim Prentice tried to build on what Ed Stelmack had done with Bill 44 and somehow do something to make it better to be a gay kid. And uh, I, although Prentice had a reputation, For being a supporter of gay rights, as somebody who had actually voted for gay marriage in the House of Commons, defying Stephen Harper to do so, he got himself into a whole quagmire with Bill Ten, and sort of ended up making it say that you couldn't have a GSA, and you know you'd have to go to a a building outside the school. Anyway, it was a whole mess. They had to hoist the bill. It was uh, it was one of Prentice's major political pratfalls, and it was one of the series of unfortunate events that led to the collapse of the Tory dynasty. So you would think that uh, Jason Kenny would not want to relitigate this file, would just want to leave David Egan, the current education minister, to deal with the fallout of this. I can't imagine what the upside is for Kenny in, in reopening this can of worms.
0: Whenever he's asked about it, he tends to just tell the story of this kid who, a mother who came very upset to talk to him about her autistic child, who it turns out was having... Um, I guess, sexual identity issues or something like
2: that? No, I mean, the story is that this is a, a 12-year-old who at school, they were referring to the child by by one, oh, right. uh, but letting letting the kid come to school and, and dress like a boy. Now, let it be said that That's 12-year-old, this is not about GSAs. GSAs uh, right? it, it has nothing to do with GSAs. Right. And it's the same example that he brought up again at the editorial board. Um, there is a huge difference between dealing with a special needs 12-year-old uh, where you want to have a co- constructive relationship with the parents at home. That's an entirely different kettle of fish than telling 16-year-old high school students that they can't have a social support club. You know, It's interesting. I was talking with our, our young colleague, Clara Theobald, um, who told me a story about going to cover GSAs back in 2014. And she went to visit one at Jasper Place Composite High School in Edmonton, got there. There was exactly one gay kid. In the GSA, it was mostly straight kids who wanted to be supportive and learn more, and maybe who had other gay friends. I mean, I, I, there's something about the idea of GSAs that seems to make otherwise sane politicians completely lose their minds.
1: Yeah. I, I actually spoke to Sandra Jansen, who sponsored Bill 10, and,
2: <sighs> and lived to regret it.
1: Yeah, and she's not shy about saying that. She wrote a, a long Facebook post after it, too, just saying, you know, this was the a really bad moment for her. And I also spoke to Laurie Blakeman, who sponsored the original private members bill that Prentice was trying to deal with because he was worried about a caucus split. And I think that was the, you know, a private members bill. Usually you, the leader will allow the MLAs to vote their conscience. And uh, Prentice didn't want anyone voting their conscience on this because it would make the Tories look intolerant if people were voting against the, the bill. And they both said something to me that I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I think this is the big dilemma right now. Uh, they, they both said something along the lines of, Jason Kenney has been in Ottawa for a long time. Same as Jim Prentice had been in Ottawa for a long time. And maybe they have an idea of Alberta or had an idea of Alberta uh, that is no longer true. And uh, lawyer Blakeman says specifically, he's appealing to a very narrow band of people right now. Um, and maybe thinks it's larger, or maybe he thinks, I need to win a leadership race with predominantly Wild Rose voters uh, when this new party forms, or if this new party forms. So you could say that uh, this is the same debate as we had last time in the GSAs, and that Kenny is stepping on the same bear trap, or th- this could be a different debate. And I I can't remember the the title of it, but Colby Kosh wrote a really interesting column about this, about the sheer pace of social change in the Western world right now. And for a lot of us who live in downtown Edmonton, it's natural and we don't see it as a a bad thing. And we almost see it as an inevitable thing. Like social change is a, a sort of a slow rolling process that won't stop and leads towards justice. And I think there may be, and I don't know how big this amount of people is or how big this electorate is, but there could be a large group of people who are saying, Jesus, can you slow down? Can you let me figure out gay marriage before you move on to this bathroom debate? And I I think that is something that maybe we aren't... You know, when you live in the cities, I think you, you see these debates in a different lens. And maybe the speed of it is what's causing problems here. And maybe Jason Kenney is speaking to that crowd who are saying well, first of all, I'm a parent. I should know what my kids are up to. And second of all, especially with all of this debate going on that I don't particularly understand and that I don't particularly have a a horse in the race because I always think of Derek Fildebrandt saying, you know, social issues aren't even in the top 100 of issues that he cares about. He cares about uh, light bulbs (laughs) and carbon tax and fiscal matters. And that, I think, is a fair thing. If you are worried about finances and fiscal matters, then this whole debate is something that I think that maybe you see it as a distraction or something that is not massively important to you. And I don't know how big that part of the electorate is. And I think that Jason Kenney is speaking to that. And I don't think we should necessarily say this is the same as what happened in 2014. Because the idea of having GSAs, may seem like a different debate than the idea of, we have GSAs, parents just need to know if they're happening or not.
3: I think it's useful for the NDP that uh, Kenny has gotten into this because it does distract from the fact that they were taking some heat on this file as well. Um, Education Minister David Egan has been... Had the policies that these schools, all the schools, were supposed to present on their LGBTQ, uh, I guess support and accommodations isn't the right word, but what they are doing to create, you know, positive environments and. those hadn't been released yet and I know our uh, colleague Janet French has been waiting and waiting and waiting for those policies to be released and so the fact that now we're talking about a different aspect of this and not talking about okay but when are we going to hear from the government further on what's the status of the policies and what are you going to do to uh, the schools that their school boards that don't meet your standards yet what's going to happen to that we know from the independent report that was put out in the ministerial order on the two schools run by the Baptist Christian Education Society west of Edmonton. Those have been more prominent. But yeah, we're still still waiting. So meanwhile, the minister gets to then shake his fist at Jason Kenney. And uh, that's great. But meanwhile, what's going on with the other stuff? Absolutely. I mean, this was a hot potato of an issue that Egan was getting bogged down in, taking a lot of
2: heat from the LGBTQ community for not moving quickly enough. Now he gets to position himself as the champion again. And not only is this great news for the NDP, but the Wild Rose are playing it very nicely, too. The Wild Rose, I managed to put out a statement yesterday that put them to the left of Jason Kenney on gay rights and, and uh, support for gay kids. And I thought, well played, Vitar Marciano and Brian Jean, well played.
1: And well, that is actually a reflection of what happened during Bill 10. When that hit second reading, Rob Anderson, Danielle Smith, two very prominent Wild Rosers, voted against it. And for a moment there, the Wild Rose was to the left of the PCs. And it just shows you that this is a very complicated issue. And at that point, I genuinely believe Danielle Smith was voting her conscience. Like, she was just voting. She's got a libertarian streak, and I think that was what was coming out there. But she obviously didn't see too much in the way of political ramifications either. Um, So I don't know. There is maybe something to the fact that Jim Prentice came back to Alberta, completely misread the political landscape, uh, had Gordon Dirks as his education minister who so was, you
0: think it, like basically these dudes come back from Ottawa and think Alberta is a ton more conservative like socially conservative than it actually is
2: could is be. that the argument there
1: I think so but I mean Jason Kenney had a writing in Alberta for years uh, and yeah, you know I
2: mean how much of Jason Kenney has hardly ever lived in Alberta ever in his life yeah. at all so I mean is he running to be the leader of the real Alberta or of the fictive Alberta that he's constructed in his mind uh, yeah.
3: you know it, it, and a lot of his he's, guys he's are been old. talking to con- he 's been talking to conservatives though right i mean that 's what he 's been doing since he got onto the provincial scene he 's been talking to conservatives he hasn't necessarily been talking to all albertans because that hasn't been what his campaign is so that's well, that, what he's hearing I, I did have an email from um, from a lady the other day who was at the pc leadership
0: convention and she was saying about how she got involved in politically involved just because she saw that the jason kenny movement was something different and she was actually shocked at the different faces and different voices she was seeing there including a lot of young gay men and that really surprised her and she's like jason kenney has brought together these folks who didn't care about politics at all before and now they're suddenly getting involved which i thought was really interesting
1: that is the, the jason kenney paradox is that mm. he attracts a crowd that looks more diverse than the ndp crowd and it's bizarre when you look at it, and you go to his speeches, and it's it's just unbelievable the different people that go there. And I think part of that is that he was the immigration minister, so he's made a lot of connections in a lot of communities that you wouldn't necessarily find yourself in if you didn't make a, an attempt to get there. Um but it is—it's very interesting, and I wouldn't underestimate him on that front no, either. And
2: I certainly wouldn't co- depict Jason Kenny as a, you know, an old school Lake of Fire homophobe. I mean, he made the point to the Calgary Herald editorial board that his immigration minister, he worked hard to bring in uh, refugees who are fleeing uh, gay persecution in countries such as Iran. Um, I don't want to tar him with, you know, with the with the brush from the Lake of Fire. That said, I think past performance indicates that in Alberta, if you look like you are beating up on gay kids, uh, no matter how you phrase it, you don't come across well. And and the bottom line is, gay-straight alliances work as safe places, both for uh, gay kids and for straight kids who want to be allies, because they're not being ratted out to their parents. And it's really hard to know. I mean, you're going to put the onus on an educator to be able to surmise which parent is going to flip out if they find out that A, their kid is gay, B, their kid has gay friends, or since, as, as I say, the majority of kids who belong to gay-straight alliances aren't actually gay at all. I mean, what are you notifying their parents of? Yeah. I mean, that, that they're having a bake sale? that they're that they're running a pink shirt day at school
0: how dare they
2: you know I, I would just like to say no one ever warned me when my daughter joined improv and it's you know, <laughs> and it, it you know it's it's a problem
3: <laughs> don't say that
2: <laughs> yeah it it's 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 a gateway you know i mean yeah. she's up on the
0: stage now <laughs> she's on broadway
2: <laughs> She's producing her second
0: Fringe play at this coming Fringe Festival. See, this is the problem. So I want to um switch, switch gears to a bit of a spat. I love that word. bit of an argument, a bit of a squabble, a bit of a tussle between um Rachel Notley and Brad Wall. Now, this all comes back to Monday when Brad Wall sent a bunch of letters to energy companies. Uh, we know of one to YCAP Resources and said... Hey, y'all should come to Saskatchewan. We'll give you some tax breaks. Hey, we'll even cover some of your relocation costs and put you up in government buildings if you want because we would love to have you in the land of, I don't know, wheat and honey or something. Anywho, this was not particularly well received uh, by Rachel Notley and she has since said that Brad Wall and the Saskatchewan Party are breaching the New West Partnership and other trade agreements by trying to lure businesses from Alberta to Saskatchewan. Stuart, we've had this discussion. Having, having lived and worked in Saskatchewan for a good four, four and a half years uh, covering politics, I really love watching <laughs> these arguments between Rachel Notley and Bradwall. It just brings me such joy, and I don't really know why. I just love to watch it. Is there going to yeah. be political fallout from this?
1: The, the previous discussion we had on this was about the budget. And that was just right after I had watched Rachel Notley get up at the podium in the legislature media room yeah. and just rip the Saskatchewan budget to shreds. And I said at the time, and there's a really good piece in McLean's by um, two U of C economists arguing that Saskatchewan is taking the hard medicine that Alberta avoided. And if you are Rachel Notley and you're looking at your base in Edmonton and you're thinking, yes, let's attack Saskatchewan, and that'll get us uh, rallied up and maybe get us some more votes. I don't know if that's true, because there are people and these economists, I think, are reflecting what other people will see is that Saskatchewan's making an earnest effort to get their finances under control. And the NDP is laughing at that, as if that's the biggest absurd thing they could imagine that you would maybe raise some revenue and make some cuts because you have a deficit. And wherever you stand, I don't know if that attitude is going to play very well. And uh, now, increasingly, it's looking like this is just turning into them sniping each other. And I actually was comparing it to, if you're a fan of hip-hop, there there's a lot of beefs that go on in hip-hop, and this really is like, you know, Drake versus Meek Mill, where one of them releases a track, and then you go, oh, that was pretty good, that was a pretty good diss by Drake there, and then everybody starts wondering, like, when's the reply going to come? When's this going to happen again? And... If you are dealing with rappers, that's cool because whatever, right? They're just silly people making music. But if you are premiers in a federation and you're responsible for, like, multi-billion dollar economies, (laughs) maybe it's not the best thing to be beefing with your neighbors. And I... I, uh, maybe this is just too because, you know, I had a kid six months ago and I, my first reaction was to go parental on this and just be like, can you people just settle down? Can you be mature about this and figure this out? Because like I, it's I don't classic th- politics. It so. is. I yeah. mean, l-
3: l- look, not so long ago, the enemy was to the West and we had Alison Redford and Chrissy Clark sniping at each other. Previously, you know, you. It was Ottawa. Ottawa was always the bad guy uh, under under Ralph Klein, always looking to pick fights for Ottawa. They were silly fights, but it was a distraction and it uh, made it look like you're standing up for Alberta and you're looking up for what's right and and likewise for Saskatchewan. I mean, it's. I secretly think they like email each other back and forth, and yeah. be like, "Okay, I'm going to say this, and then you're going to say this," and, yeah. and I'm I kid, of course, well, I'm sure yeah, but, they but, don't. But, but it would be but great. It's, if but it's, it's a mar- yeah.
2: it's a marketing thing, just as yes. it is when you're selling rap records. Yeah.
3: Um. So I this has reminded me. I mean, what they are actually doing, though. I mean, what Saskatchewan by sending out this email. It's a classic thing that happens all the time in the... I was much more used to seeing it in the US where, you know, individual counties would each offer tax breaks and they'd try to lure the big company. They'd all, you know, there'd be these various races either state by state or county by county by who could provide the best incentives. Um, I remember the county I lived in in York County providing all these incentives to get Muzak, you know, the elevator music company to come to York (laughs) County. And they were excited because they beat out other counties for this. And, you know, it, that was, you know, smaller potatoes, but it just, I haven't seen that nearly as much as I came back to Canada. But this was one of those moments where I was like, well, that is very American, that whole, like, trying to, you know, out-compete each other um, by offering various incentives. i,
2: I just, just like to say, like, you know, this is actually a stupid way to run your economy as it was in rural uh, South Carolina and as it is in Western Canada. I mean... Neither Alberta nor Saskatchewan has a large enough economy that we can afford to play these kinds of games. Instead of fighting against each other, I mean, this is the same argument you see in Edmonton, where the various counties were, you know, at one time uh, at cross purposes. I mean, Western Canada needs to go to world markets as a block. Um, no one's going to move, you know, from Dubai to Saskatchewan.
0: Uh, I mean, see, if- have you been to Saskatchewan <laughs> seen the beautiful flatlands, Paula? Have you have you danced with Gainer the Gopher? <laughs>
2: My, my my point being that if we actually we wish see to a future assignment if we yeah. want to in you know attract investment capital uh and energy exploration it doesn't actually make any sense to cannibalize what you already have when you could mm-hmm. instead go to the world economy together and say hey we are western canada we are cascadia we are you know whatever you want to call us uh uh we're going to get out there and work together so you know stewart is right this plays to their local markets. But, you know, if we're going to be grown-ups here for a minute, it might be nice if instead of, you know, my, my daughter used to have a picture book when she was a kid about a, a bear and a pig who go to the market, and they each have a product to sell, and they sell it back and forth to each other, and at the end of the day, they've made no money because all they did was trade it back and forth. I mean, moving stuff back and forth across... You know, the line Lloyd Minster doesn't actually do anything to grow Western Canadians' economic uh, strengths.
1: It actually does the opposite. And Mm -hmm. there is a term that economists use for this when you start competing over corporate welfare. And it's a race to the bottom because in a perfect situation, you would take your comparative advantage, which in Alberta is resources, and you would allow companies to come in and exploit that. Um, the idea of offering major subsidies to get them over here kind of ruins that competitive advantage because you're now putting money into it and you're not making as much money out of it. So this is this kind of thing, uh, it just doesn't really work. And I, I did see it, which was kind of funny, that Brad Wall used the example of Peter Lockheed um, to say, and I'm just doing what Peter Lockheed did all those okay. years ago. <laughs> I,
2: I, I, I can't let that go, my <laughs> yeah. sweetie. Lockheed. Laheed. Laheed, There's no K. They're gonna drive you. Out. They're gonna drum you out of Alberta. I was
1: uh, born in Scotland, so we pronounce the. <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's always gonna happen. And when I was in Halifax, there is the McKay Bridge, and it was always the Mackay Bridge in my household. And I just have to take it where I go.
0: That's fine to do it. It's fine. It's fine that you're an immigrant, Paula. Stop picking on him. Um, you know, politically, though, I-, I guarantee you, this played really well in Saskatchewan because. When Brad Wall stands up for Saskatchewan, it seems to be received extremely differently than when Rachel Notley stands up for Alberta. And I don't know why that is. It, it just, or, or at it's least, it's
1: a smaller place.
0: It is a small place, and he enjoys a lot of um, a lot of popular support. Although he did get booed at the uh, CFL Week the other week, just after the budget. <gasps> I don't think Brad Wall's ever really? been booed in his That's life. That's interesting. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd
1: be interesting uh, if any polling companies out there would do a poll of. Bradwall's approval rating in Alberta. And the other thing I know from being Scottish is that when you are in the smaller country that's attached to the larger country that is uh, England, a world power, you have an inferiority complex. And I think that, you know, I've lived in a lot of places that have inferiority complexes. And I think in Alberta, we have that to the east, to Ontario. And to maybe a little bit to BC uh, in Saskatchewan, I think there is one that exists. Oh, absolutely! So, they like
0: the l- little brother that tags along, going, "Hey, Alberta! Hey, hey! What yeah. are you doing, guys? Can we? Can we? Hey, hey, Alberta! Hey, guys!"
1: <laughs> and taking it back That's to uh, one of the better uh, diss tracks in rap history is Tupac's "Hit 'Em Up," where he doesn't—he only does a little <laughs> verse, and then he says, "I'm going to get my other guys to do the rest of this because I'm—it's beneath me to even be on this track," and that. I mean, if I were Rachel Notley, that's what I'd be doing. I would just be letting this this pass.
0: We should all base our political decisions on on rap.
1: <laughs> so, well, I mean,
2: it's it's the same way that late last week
1: she did with Kevin O'Leary, right?
2: We didn't get to talk about that last week, but when you know when O'Leary called her, let me get the phrase right: a vicious, uh, pois- a vicious, toxic, poisonous cocktail of incompetence and mediocrity. Mm. I think I have that more or less. Pretty close. Correct. Yeah. Um, Notley was like, "Oh, those wacky people in that." wacky race. I'm not really paying any attention to what they're saying. And, you know, they're just doing little stunty things to get attention and I'm not going to be part of that. And I thought that was just, that was just pitch perfect. That's, that, that, I'm going to call that, you know, the two-pack maneuver from
0: now <laughs> Well, she, she it was interesting though, she did weigh in, I thought, a lot A lot more heavily on this whole um, saying that they've breached the new US trade agreement. I thought that she used much stronger words than usual. But also this time last year, of course, post-budget, they were having a scrap about the um, beer, about the beer subsidies, Mm -hmm. right? So it seems like just every single year after Alberta does something, just before the Premier's Conference, which is coming up in July in Edmonton, Rachel Notley and Brad Wall just get into fisticuffs about something. (laughs) And now, just briefly, I want to move to the liberal leadership race, which I'm sure is on everyone's radar here in Alberta. She said to silence (laughs) in the room.
3: (laughs) But we Uh, did have an interesting development this week. Well, I I was off for a couple of days. I was spring break with the kids and I came back to uh, find out that Nolan Krause had uh, briefly entered the race. And well, I knew that from previously, but uh, now is no longer... In the race, He was the star candidate, the mayor of St. Albert, uh, you know, the chair
2: of the Capital Region Board, uh, somebody who has a fair bit of public profile, at least in the Capital Region, uh, and who sort of spent the last couple of months, oh, I have an important announcement. Oh, I'm going to be making this other important announcement. Uh, and so I was quite surprised when he pulled out. Then the rumor, which which Stuart and I traded feverishly for 20 minutes, uh, <laughs> was that Thomas Lukasik, the former Conservative Deputy Premier, was going to throw his hat in the ring uh for the liberal leadership uh that was a, that was a really excellent rumor that sadly was uh, in no way true so that didn't
0: stop us from You guys both talked to Łukasik about
2: it right? Uh,
1: yeah yeah I chatted yeah. him uh over Twitter DM <laughs> and his response to me was lol so <laughs> 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 I, I doesn't look like it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he I mean, he said this to James Wood too. I think that he was enjoying the attention for a little while there. Thomas uh,
2: <laughs> Leczak enjoying attention. <laughs> I, I,
1: <laughs> there were like there was a lot of talk on Twitter about it maybe happening and he said, you know, there may be other opportunities and I said, so what? Like you know, a zombie PC party or the Alberta party or whatever and he said, oh maybe a combination of all those things or yeah. something and so I mean, we've heard talk about this and the The hole they're trying to fill is this sort of pro- socially progressive, um fiscally, not the NDP. Uh, party of Alberta, uh, and that you could you could make an argument that that could have been the Liberals. Uniting um, the
3: center. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, Jason Kenney will tell you that he wants to unite the center. And
2: yeah, yeah, everybody wants the c-
1: yeah. Yeah, and the NDP will tell you that they've got two pipeline approvals and that that should get them the center. Um, so I think we're going to have a lot of battling for the center and... Uh, I can't imagine that a new party will get it unless it's this uh, party made up of the two other right-wing parties. Now, there
0: are two names out there. The um, the Liberal Party won't confirm them until things wrap up. Today, I think, is the deadline, March 31st. Yeah. Um, but there are two other names out there from Calgary folks, right? Yeah, David Kahn and Kerry Cundall. Kerry Cundall ran uh,
2: federally for the Liberals, and uh, David Kahn ran provincially for the Liberals in the in the last uh, provincial election. Uh, I saw an interview that he gave at the time, which is sort of ironic, where uh, he was hoping to be the first out gay MLA. Um, that didn't work out for David Kahn because a number of NDP MLAs have, have beaten him to that distinction. Uh, but he's young, progressive, photogenic, uh, South Asian, gay. Uh, I, I don't know that if that's the kind of candidate you want, you have an NDP government. Carrie Hundle, I don't really know uh, much about, except, as I say, she did run federally for the Liberals in Calgary. Uh, but it's fascinating that there's no one from from Edmonton, from the whole capital region. Who there's seems- no one really from Alberta looking at that list that really wants to take
0: uh, well, a you at know, take a step. and I think it.
2: the Liberal Party is... It's done. I mean, we we wrote we wrote the epitaph for the Progressive Conservative Party two weeks ago, but I think it's time to write the epitaph for the Liberal Party. I mean, when Nolan Kraus looked like he was running, there was like, oh, okay, maybe it's got a pulse, but um but what, I, what is
1: the point? I mean, this, I think that is the big question you ask yourself as a party. You say, what is the question that we are the answer to? And. I think Jason Kelly, uh, Jason Kenny, has a pretty compelling response to that, and it's been years of uh, splitting votes on the right. And the NDP had a extraordinarily compelling response to that during the 2015 election. They were the response to 44 years of PC uh, government. Um, so, if you are starting a party, if you are looking to run a party, that's the question you need to answer. And I can't think of an answer to that question for the Liberals.
0: Yeah. Well, keep keep it going, guys. Um, or you know, not or not, or just give up. Well, well you you, know, I was going to say give up your head, but that's not even but, accurate. But, is but it? you know,
2: but it's interesting because I mean, people have been talking about the Alberta Party as the as the answer to the moribund Liberal Party for years now, and we keep writing think pieces, and we keep you know, and
0: they like, were briefly considering uh, joining together. Too. Yes, but
2: I mean, which they should have which they should have done. I mean, uh, but it's, I think I haven't it's... haven't been
3: able to cooperate.
2: No, and I think the Alberta... Which is
0: weird because there's like two of them.
2: The Alberta, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the Alberta party sounds like a nice idea, but it never seems to get beyond people's living rooms. I think everybody in Alberta politics agrees that the center is where most Albertans are. Uh, and yet we look like we're going to be going into probably the next election cycle with a right party and a left party and, and nobody in the center. So everybody is going to, as Stuart says, claim claim the center, it's going to be an interesting conjuring trick. Yeah, Taking us back to the GSA argument earlier, how do you make that argument and still pretend that you're the centrist
0: alternative? And to our regular segment, good stuff from the gallery. Tomo, what do you got for us, mate?
1: Uh, this is a piece that has just refreshed on my phone, so the title went away. Um, this is a piece on <laughs> Vox.com, and I actually recommended a book by Yuval Harari called Sapiens. Uh, he's written a new book, which is kind of less about the history of mankind, more about the future. Uh, and this is a conversation between him and Ezra Klein, uh, the founder of Vox, about artificial intelligence. And I've written about this a couple of times. What is AI going to do to humans, or how are humans going to use AI? Uh, And the title is Evil Harari on Why Humans Won't Dominate Earth in 300 Years. It's interesting. I
0: am terrified of robots, so I'm not going to read that. Paula?
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, Stuart's going to the future. I'm going to the past. I'm going to recommend a really delightful piece by our National Post colleague, Tristan Hopper, about what was the debate like in the House of Commons in Great Britain when Canada, uh, because this is the the 150th anniversary of the legislation being passed that made Canada a country. And uh, Tristan's answer is that nobody in London cared. They were much more interested in local domestic issues, you know, like a dog tax, sugar tax, um, and they couldn't wait to rush uh, us rush the BNA act through the House of Commons much to the horror of Johnny MacDonald and his buddy sitting up in the gallery realizing that, <laughs> that this thing that mattered so much to them mattered not one whit to the people <laughs> who were actually running the empire it, it, it's, it's a very
3: delightful read Johnny
1: MacDonald being a Scottish man like myself in <laughs> England that's what I was talking about earlier
3: <laughs> I'm going to recommend how would he have pronounced Lougheed
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lougheed um <laughs> I'm going to recommend a piece in the National Post as well. Uh, It is called The Cod Are Coming Back to Newfoundland. Uh, It's actually by my former editor at the Northern Pen, where we used to work in St Antony, which is the northern peninsula of Newfoundland, which, of course, was absolutely decimated when the Cod moratorium kicked in. Erin knows the fisheries like you would not believe after having spent four years on the northern peninsula of Newfoundland. It does just kind of happen, but it is a fantastic read. Very, very good, very informative, and hopefully some good news for uh, Newfoundland, which of course has been hit hard by the oil price crash as well and has an unemployment rate around 20%. So Unless, that. unless you're fishing for shrimp. Unless
3: you're fishing for shrimp, which have been eaten by all the cod, which are coming back. So, Sarah, I want to recommend another podcast. This may be something that you know, People who love podcasts have already checked out, but it's uh, S-Town is the short form. I won't pronounce the full name because that's rude on the uh, podcast, but it's from the folks who did Serial and This American Life, and I like it because what attracted me to it, it's about a small southern town, and uh, this reporter goes down this rabbit hole with this phone call from this very odd duck. And uh, about what he says is a murder that's gone unpunished and unsolved. So Brian Reed starts looking into this and it's it took him, like he looked into this town for a couple years and... It's zigging and zagging. So I'm you're able to binge listen to it. All seven episodes are up. I'm now on episode five. It's gone in a direction I did not expect it to go. And I just don't know where it's going to go next. So I can't say that it will reach a satisfying conclusion because I don't know. I haven't listened to it. So you all could get to the end and go like, what was O'Donnell talking about? This is garbage. And I may <laughs> feel that way too, but I don't know. But right now it sure is interesting. And uh, it's been a fun listen there's some real characters in this story and it's real life not fiction so that's what makes it fascinating right on thank you guys
0: so much for joining me Stuart, paula and sarah you can find all the episodes of the press gallery at edmontonjournal.com you can also subscribe to our soundcloud itunes and TuneIn radio hope you join us again next week this time on the press gallery